crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. Hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk, the monthly podcast of gamers talking tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this month is actually a two-part eSports special. For this second part, I got to record with Kiernan Enzer of the MAC, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, and we talked about the upcoming Hudson Valley GamerCon coming to Albany at the end of March. Let's hear what he's been up to. And we are back at it with part two of this esports special. This time I am joined by Kiernan Enzer, esports consultant for the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Kiernan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Excellent. So you are one of the main people behind the Hudson Valley GamerCon that's coming to Albany at the end of March, correct? Yes, I'll be serving as tournament director for the tournament, uh, and I've seen it from concept through to today. So it's been a really fun journey and interesting learning experience. Really? Yes. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Uh, you know, last year we really came into the idea of, you know, building out a collegiate uh esports tournament and we did it in conjunction with the mac tournament last year uh, mac men's and women's basketball tournament and it was just a sort of roughly put together four-man tournament with a bunch of panels leading up to it to really explain to college administrators what esports was all about and we did it in about 60 days worth of lead-up time from initial conversation to execution and that was that was a that was an event that was something that was there were stories coming out of that one and maybe we'll get to some of them later but now we've been working on this since the day after that event ended last year so it's been almost a year now and we've gone through any number of partners different entities coming on board the scope of this has expanded drastically budgets have doubled uh state entities have come involved it's been a really great experience i wouldn't trade it at all for any part of it for the world but it's been a it's been a roller coaster of a ride so Partners coming in and out, a budget that has doubled, and state entities that have entered the fray. Yeah. That is quite the ride that yeah. we got going on. Yeah. So initially, it was just the, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference and the okay. East Coast Athletic Conference sort of doing a joint partnership uh, with the ECAC serving as the lead-up league, and then the MAC sort of serving as the entity that assisted in the tournament production. And that was the original concept last year. And we also partnered with the Albany uh, Capital Center last year, and we partnered with them again. And now it's the MAC, the ECAC, the ACC, CEG, RPI, uh, you name it, they're involved. Uh, We have a bunch of local companies helping out as vendors and things of that nature. So a lot of unique sort of partnerships, a lot of different voices in there. And we applied for a state grant to assist in putting on this event, and we were awarded uh, a state grant. So we also have to comply with a bunch of different state uh, rules. So it's been uh, been interesting. Wow. Okay, so you said that you had an event last year during one of the basketball tournaments yes yep yep it was a one-day event okay just a one-day event so what was the scale and scope of that event it was a showcase that's how we build it that's how we Mm -hmm. set it up and did a whole lot about it it was basically just to show college administrators because the mac had been talking with its uh athletic administrators for a while about esports and some schools were more involved with it some schools were less involved in it uh and what really it came down to is there were a lot of people that couldn't 
visualize it couldn't see what we were actually talking about mm -hmm. um so the commissioner of uh, the mac rich Enser, said hey let's do a showcase how do we go about it uh what are the first steps uh and it was a little bit cost prohibitive to do it as uh just a sort of one-man team so we looked at other regional partners and we found the ecac was really trying to get involved with esports quite heavily uh, okay i met with them the first the second week in January last year, just as he what they were going to do about esports, they were their concept was mostly a league. And from there, I pitched them an idea of a tournament, and we went from there. Uh, so it went from just a concept meeting to okay, how do we do this? And now we got forty five days. Let's put it on. Let's do it. Wow! Um, so that's a, that's a tight time frame to work yeah. with something at that scale. That is a tight time frame. And we have schools traveling. So last year we had uh, Canisius College based out of Buffalo, SUNY Canton uh, based way up there in Canton. We had Marist mm -hmm. and we had Siena all compete in the showcase. Originally we had Stevenson University who dropped out 10 days beforehand. So we had to find a oh, replacement. No. So we had a lot of these things that, you know, all right, we need to find another school. So we felt we were able to find Marist who came in and eventually won the thing. Uh, hey, so, right. you know, not the, not the worst substitute in the world. Um, no, okay. <laughs> a new challenger approaches and exactly. takes on the yeah, Nice. So it was uh it was a really fun sort of time frame, but you know, the schools that participated last year really wanted to see what it was about uh from a production sort of standpoint. How does it take what would be the infrastructure that they would need? What would they need to set aside in their budgets for future years? What would it look like? How would they market mm -hmm. it? So they were a little bit further ahead than the schools that we have this year coming in, a lot of the new schools that we have coming in. Okay. But they 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 wanted to see what it was about. So they were willing to come and and participate last year so uh, they got a valuable experience and from that i joined canisius college as a, a full-time i'm their esports coordinator as well okay. uh, so i run a, a, the esports program here at canisius college and we've grown the program this year from eight students last year to 65 currently oh my good lord yeah so we compete in nine different esports and we have 11 different teams so we have a couple esports with two teams Okay, so I'm going to t take a moment to process that type of growth. So 8 to 65, that's just over 800% growth. Yeah. So that's significant. <laughs> and how many different are we referring to these as games? I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful and say how many games are you playing, but how many yeah. different... Well, uh, yeah. So what games are you is fine. Titles is fine. Whichever word we use them interchangeably here ourselves. Okay. Uh, so we participate in nine. So let's see if wow. I can rattle these off. Okay. Uh, we got League of Legends, Overwatch, Hearthstone, FIFA, Fortnite, Super Smash Brothers, Paladins, Apex, and Call of Duty. Nine. There we go. Well, already Did got it. Apex into the mix. We're competing in a tournament this Saturday. Uh, okay. Apex. So yeah, we're 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 all on board of it. I've always told my students that if we have a passionate gamer group here on college, and I can find them a collegiate tournament or league, I'm in. Let's do it. All right. Wow. Apex just came out two weeks ago, as of this recording. Something yeah. like that. Okay. And I think this is just testament to like how fast or just how present esports is currently in the gaming community. 110 percent it's it's now a process of actual development when they're talking about it at game studios you know mm -hmm. it used to be a second forethought you know maybe we'll have a league maybe we'll do some tournaments now it's built into the actual development of a game i mean so, as far as and i agree with that I, i'm thinking to myself as far as overwatch and apex is concerned they almost seem to be built almost for that type of competitive matching uh yeah apex for sure that is they 100 did that overwatch had a couple hurdles they still haven't quite figured out the observer aspect of it okay yeah they still don't have a fully functioning observer that quite is smooth or works and they don't of course they don't release their priority uh you know software that they use for their own overwatch league to the general public no of um, course not of Keep course control not control on that exactly um so you know there's 
they that was a big oversight on their part, and I think they recognized it, and I don't think they'll ever make that mistake again. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Apex for sure. It was built for it. The way that you can see characters in game as on the banners and all that, that's all just you know gratuity for an audience. It doesn't really do anything for the players that are actually playing. Right. But if you're watching, right. that's the coolest feature in the world. It gives you a little bit of an experience as you're playing, but yeah, definitely showcasing for more of an, an audience observer type of perspective. Yeah, exactly. Whew. Very cool. So we are leading up to uh, the GamerCon, and yeah. we have, this is a full collegiate tournament, what we have planned, yes? Yep, all college teams. Wow. This is something like, it kind of blindsided me when it was first announced uh, back in September. I think this was, or at least this, when I first heard about it. And just, the, <clears throat> excuse me, and just the thought of a full esports competition coming to, coming to Albany, of all places, that's kind of what's getting me. There's been a few times on this podcast where I've mentioned how Albany is really positioned pretty well for different types of development being that we are centrally located between boston and montreal and new york city but it just it came as a surprise to me though that we would have a competition of this scale and of this level of visibility right here in the albany area was there any particular reason why you were looking at albany to host this event uh, there's a few real key aspects for it. So first, the MAC has a long-standing relationship uh, with the Albany region. We've been playing at the Times Union Center since it was, uh, you know, the Knickerbocker. That's going back. The Knickerbocker Arena, then the Pepsi Arena, then the, the Times Union. Yeah, okay. We've played through all three iterations of name changes there. So uh, we have a very long-standing relationship with the Albany area. It's always been a great sort of city centrally located, right? If you're in the mm -hmm. Northeast, you know, Boston is a great city. New York City is a great city. You know, Philadelphia is a great city. These are all amazing cities. I love them all to death. But they're busy. They're hectic. They're crowded. Rents are high. Space is, yes. you know, constantly in demand. So the Mac has always tried to pick a sort of mid-sized city that the competition isn't as high. They can get discounts on, you know, different things of that nature. And Albany has always been a great city like that. Buffalo has always been a great city like that. Okay. So we've always stuck to those sort of cities. And so we did this with esports for the same exact reason. It was it's easy to get to. There's a there's a great airport there if you're flying, especially on Southwest or any of the other connecting flights that come through mm -hmm. there. Trains, it's really easy. Buses, it's really easy. There's a plethora of hotels, especially in the wake of the Renaissance and all these other ones being built in the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, it's affordable for schools. There's a lot of meal options, dining options. And as long as you're in the really downtown bubble of the Times Union Center, it's a it's a walkable neighborhood. It's a it's a perfectly safe place to go from point A to point B. So it, it really worked. is. We were actually just in that area. Uh, my son and I, uh, father and daddy haircuts. And there's this great little spot called Patsy's. It's definitely an old school barber shop. I was overhearing the owner speaking to one of the uh, newer customers saying how, I guess, either his father or his grandfather had started that shop in that location. And all of the barber chairs are definitely from 1930, all like original, all original stuff in there. But you have that type of old city character coupled with all the new stuff that's being built in and around the city. And like you said, if you stay within that downtown area, it is a very walkable city. You can find all sorts of neat little shops and uh, small independent restaurants and diners and stuff like that. All sorts of great things right in the heart of Albany. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a big fan of Patsy's as well. Uh, right. any, anytime you got a guy with uh, neck tattoos leading up to the uh, ready to give you a haircut, I'm in. I'm game yeah, for it. Right. Let's let's do it. Um, yeah, it's, so. it's, a, it's a little intimidating at first with that many tattoos, but he's like the friendliest guy. Oh, yeah. Great people. Great people. Patsy's highly recommend them and a great a haircut, too. Uh, so just besides the atmosphere, they can really do their job. Mm -hmm. So always love Patsy's. Right. So let's get into the event itself that's coming up. 
Okay. So we have a whole list of schools that are coming. How many schools total are going to be participating in this tournament? Uh, so we're still finalizing the list of tournaments. This is sort of just a brief overview of how many we have right now. Okay. Um, so we're going to have 16 teams in each title. So we're playing League of Legends, Overwatch, Fortnite. Not all schools are going to compete in all titles. Uh, some will, uh, but that's not a necessity. Uh, okay. So, you know, we'll probably be in the range of, I would say, 20 schools will actually probably be in attendance for the event wow. uh, with over 40, uh, with 48 teams and over 400 competitors. So it's a lot of gaming going on. A lot of gaming. It's going to be a jam from 9 a.m. on Saturday till 10 p.m. Saturday, and then 9 a.m. again on Sunday till probably about 9 p.m. Sunday. It's nonstop gaming. There's not a single break in the event. We are gaming from dusk till dawn, and it's it's going to be great. Okay. So I'll definitely be at this event. It's I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull 12-hour shifts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pop in and out as the day goes on. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I'll, but I'll definitely be making appearances. I'll I'll be trying to get some interviews, some live interviews while I'm there. But yeah, th- that's going to make for some for some long days, some long nights. But it's so you're going to do when you have a tournament weekend, right? Yeah, you know, I come from a traditional athletics background. I remember mm-hmm. the days where we used to have to do, uh, you know, eight basketball games in a day. Like, this is Oof. the same sort of grind. It's the same sort of adrenaline. It's the okay. same sort of rush when everything goes right and uh, fear when everything goes wrong. So it's uh, it's it's a fun event. Uh, I will need a shot of adrenaline on Monday to get up. Uh, but otherwise, it's, but it's really worth it. Yes. Maybe, <laughs> it won't you know. kill me. I will survive this. Uh, I will be able to make it through. <laughs> yes. I, I say that now, but let's see. Let's see day off. Right. Well, <laughs> uh, so aside from the tournament, what else will we be having uh, at this? Because it's called GamerCon. It's not being referred to as an expo or excuse me. It's not being referred to as necessarily as a tournament solely where we have the name of the Hudson Valley Gamer Con. So what else will we have there? So we'll have some vendors. Unfortunately, it happens to be on the same weekend as PAX East. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. to be fair, uh, when we decided this, PAX East hadn't released its dates. So I always like to say that, you know, they copied us. But, right. They're, uh, yeah, they're the, the big dog still wins in the, in the, in, in the fight. So, yeah, 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 unfortunately, <laughs> that's, uh, that's going to happen. So we're going to have some vendors. A lot of uh, a lot of local companies are starting to join on recently. So we'll have some vendors. A lot of the gaming studios will be there from the capital region. So if you're not familiar with these guys, they do a lot of great work. They're you know. So we'll have Vicarious there. We'll have WB. We'll have Velen. Yeah. So they're all going to be in attendance. They'll have vendors there. Uh, they're also all excited to watch the event. So you know, mm-hmm. this is this is double dipping for them. Uh, we'll have a couple local local esports companies there as well. So Claim to Fame Entertainment, who does a lot of uh, you know grassroots sort of uh, organization in esports in the Albany region, will be there. And Game the Insom- Gaming Insomniacs, uh, who you just interviewed, yep. uh, also will be there in attendance. So. It's going to be a good mix. And then a lot of our schools will have uh, sort of their admissions people there um, because this is an event that's really targeted at the high school age group of Mm -hmm. students who are like, okay, I like gaming. What's out there for me? Um, And this is sort of a way to get them involved and saying, this is, this is what we got in the Northeast. These are going to be some of your top schools. And if the, if our outreach efforts go as planned, we'll even have some schools that end up offering scholarships uh, that currently that, offer scholarships. That was going to be my follow-up question. Have colleges in the U.S. started offering scholarships for esports? So I guess I got my answer for that. Yeah. So there's about – last I checked and the last official number I saw, there was over 80 schools that currently offer esports scholarships. Okay. Um, Are and- we talking nationwide or in the Northeast? We're talking nationwide. Yeah, okay. we're talking nationwide. Okay. Um, actually, the vast majority of them are, happen to be in the Midwest uh, sort of area. Uh, West hmm. Coast is very popular, but uh, yeah, the the Central uh, America area, uh, you know, Midwest area of the United States is really uh, quite popular with the esports uh, realm. They also embraced it a lot earlier than either the West or East Coast did from okay. the collegiate side of things. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I just normally would picture the coast being more... Uh, open to change or maybe not open to change but embrace 
embracing the technology faster than our central states because that just seems to be the way it goes. You see a lot yeah. of uh, tech opening up on the coast or the coastal cities and su- and such. But uh, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not. I'm I'm right there with you. I would have. I was I was fascinated that some of these schools had uh, internet uh, when I first saw that they were offering esports schol- uh, scholarships. So. Uh, <laughs> hey. uh, no offense gotta get the customers gotta get the customers out there gotta drop those uh fiber optic lines (laughs) yeah exactly so um you know i think on the west coast there's just so much competition in the pro scene that the college scene Uh, sort of got suffocated for a little bit and then on the east coast side of things we've been almost notoriously slow at this point when it comes to esports uh primarily because all the major events tend to happen out on the west coast and then every so often we get a major finals that comes this way so league of legends has done their finals at msg and they've done it in toronto Uh, Overwatch League did their finals last year at uh, the Barclays Center in New York City. There's been tournaments in Philly and Atlantic City and, you know, a lot of major cities on the East Coast. But it's once a year, once every other year. So it's inconsistent. So the scene really hasn't grown, uh, which is a shame. Mm -hmm. But we're starting to see colleges fill that void. Yeah, I know a lot of like either tournaments or like grand competitions – uh, have their finals and such Madison Square Gardens. Halo comes to mind. I've seen a few pictures of uh, Halo uh, MLG coming through to New York City. But is it is it a Silicon Valley thing on the West Coast? It's uh, it's a little bit. It's you know, it's where the developer the developers have such a tight grip on their esports right now. We see it from Blizzard. We see it from Riot. And you know, we can talk. We could debate the points whether it's good for esports, whether it's bad for esports, uh, for twelve hours, and neither one of us would come out as winner or loser in that debate. Right. Uh, so they built it. Their studios. They built these arenas where they're close. They felt no need well, to sense. go out <laughs> and build a facility in you know St. Louis or Philly or New York City. Even so, they they're they're all in Los Angeles uh, for the most part, and that's where they are. Well, yeah. I mean, if if this is where your studio is located and you want to have you know control over how it's presented, then yeah, you're going to build the infrastructure that's close by and easily accessible to you. Yeah, okay. and we're starting to see some other infrastructure be built up. Uh, so Las Vegas, Dallas, Florida have all had esports arenas specifically built. These are just facilities built to host esports tournaments and okay. esports leagues. So that's been a really interesting development over the last 18, 24 months. Uh, so there are arenas out there that are just dedicated for esports at this point in hmm. time. So as I'm thinking about what the possible setups will be, uh, I visited Gaming Insomniac. They said, let me take a few pictures around their studio. Super awesome guys. And they have a pretty distinctive setup with each team on either side of a large projection, excuse me, on either side of a large projection screen. And that's where the main viewing happens. So have you gone over physical layout and furniture and equipment placement for how this tournament is going to be set up at the Capitol Center? Yeah. So there's going to be three massive stages uh, set up pretty much all against one row. And both teams will be on one side and the projector will be more behind them than in the center of them. Okay. And the projectors at uh, the Albany Capitol Center are massive so uh, everyone will be able to see them from about three or four blocks away as far as i'm concerned (laughs) Uh, so and then there will be so the stage is set up we'll have all tournaments will be going on simultaneously so we'll have a Fortnite stage set up with four pcs we'll have a league of legends setup set up with 10 pcs and then we'll have an overwatch uh uh, stage set up with 12 and all the events are going to be shoutcasted professionally commentated we are bringing in commentators for those events oh, wow. and they're okay. all going to be broadcasted on twitch you still should come out please buy tickets but if you can't make it and still want to tune in uh we will broadcast all of our oh, matches sure. on twitch.tv uh, but so if you're in the arena we have you know i've worked with the albany capital center and we're going to isolate the audio so if you're sitting in a region uh where the one match is going on you'll only be able to hear that match's commentary and then if you walk over two rows and sit in the other seating arena you'll hear the other games commentary so it should be actually a really sort of cool audio visual experience oh, in, nice. in in the in the setup itself that's not like it's going to be a blast 
yeah, it should be great. And, uh, you know, really, this is going to be an opportunity for the students. You know, a lot of them have watched uh, LAN events. They have maybe gone to one to experience, to watch. They haven't had a lot of opportunities to play in such an event. So for okay. them, this is like, this is like Nirvana. This is like heaven. <laughs> this is this is what they've all dreamed about. There, there's, there's. I can talk for my players and other players I've talked with. They're just super excited for the opportunity uh, and that their schools are providing them as well. You know, you know, this, this is some cost for the schools to put up their kids for a couple of days, bus them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, feed them. Uh, especially if you bring in multiple teams, it's an actual expense. Oh, so. oh yeah, yeah. And it's it's not cheap to do that. We talked about how Albany is. You know, it's cheaper. Well, it's clearly cheaper than New York City. That's that's just a given. <laughs> that's its own separate beast. I've mentioned that before. I, you could keep mentioning that because New York is just its own beast. But other larger cities, yeah, it gets proportionally more expensive. And if there's an event happening, business has got a business. If there's increased demand for facilities, then they're going to adjust their prices as required or as needed. <clears throat> but it's still... It's a significant investment for schools to send out their athletes to do things like this. I mean, I can tell you right now that Canisius is going to send 20 students. So all you have to do is a quick little search and say, hey, 20 students, that's eight to 10 hotel rooms. That's mm-hmm. for three nights. That's, you know, six meals. Like it's a it's a it's a costly endeavor when it comes down to it. But um, so it really shows that the schools are taking this serious, mm-hmm. that they're putting time and money and investment uh, to build the scene and to draw in new students. So it's uh, it's really a positive yeah. thing. So it should be great. Yeah. And esports is definitely coming. And yes. it's good. It's, it's coming. Like it just we're just now accepting it here in the u.s like we're on like the very early stages of accepting it just because it is foreign to us does not mean that it's foreign to the rest of the world these types of events so it's good to see that the colleges are uh, picking up on it finally absolutely so uh will there be any additional panel discussions or panel talks or speakers that are going to be at this event so we have a lot of experts that are going to be attending the event, and we're currently evaluating whether or not we're going to do panel discussions. Uh, I think we're all in favor of doing it, just so that people can get some Q and A and really hear, uh, you know, the local business community and the local media can really get an opportunity to hear what these people think about esports going forward. Uh, it really is going to depend on how the next couple of weeks shape out on we're looking at a couple possibilities for other events going on during our uh, tournament. Okay. Um, so we're evaluating a couple options internally and a couple of proposals. And if none of them come to fruition or none of them seem feasible, we'll really start evaluating panel discussions uh, once again. Because uh, okay. we know we have people there, you know, between myself, uh, Dan Coonan at the ECAC, all of our game studio heads, uh, we'll probably be in attendance. Uh, we're having a couple other, you know, commissioners and those sort of figures in the esports world. We're inviting people down from Montreal and Toronto, and so we'll have plenty of people there. Uh, mm-hmm. They're coming down there to enjoy it uh, for the most part, but <laughs> we can guilt them Put into them to some work. things. Put yeah, we can guilt work. them. <laughs> oh, and Vicarious Visions. Just so you know, I am going to be suing all over you guys as the huge Destiny fan that I am. So just just quick heads up. Uh, <laughs> if you have a panel discussion i might may or may not be in the front front row just kind of all doe-eyed and open mouth and then, i love you guys yeah vicarious great company i know them from my tony hawk pro stater days oh, uh, when man. they when they made those games i mean those are iconic to my childhood uh so i i, I played way too much tony hawk uh, oh, during we my all college did. years <laughs> we all did that was just the thing like it was a great handheld game it was a great console game mm-hmm. uh, it was it's iconic it's it really is okay so actually you know let's uh let's keep going on that so clearly you have a big passion for esports and everything that it involves to the point where you're helping to organize this massive tournament but for you personally what's your personal gaming style like 
Uh, I I like so I grew up in an age where we all played single player games. I know mm-hmm. shocking to believe and hear that people actually one to- once upon a time just played games by themselves. I know, um, I know, Bizarre. right? You know, I still remember playing. You know, uh, the Final Fantasies seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, you know, great so, games. So you started at Final Fantasy seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I I am old enough to have played the original final fantasy on the original nintendo i can't i can't i can't claim that uh, uh, i can it, i can remember opening <laughs> I, I will say i can remember playing majoro's mask the christmas it came out okay. and i always tell people like i just talked to one of my students they're like oh yeah i loved playing majoro's mask as a kid i'm like really me too and they're like yeah it was so much fun on nintendo 3ds and i'm like no no, no. i was like <laughs> I, I played that on n64 and let me tell you that game was substantially more difficult pre-internet age oh uh, gosh, yes oh oh good lord yes we had to go out and buy guides. All right. This, you guys don't understand that there was a market where people would publish how to beat the game and you would have to pay for it. It wasn't just a Google search away. Uh, So way to live in the golden age. Yeah. Right. I mean, I still kind of chuckle whenever I pick up a new game, if I'm purchasing a physical copy and the guys at GameStop ask if I want to buy the strategy guide to go along with it. And I think to myself, (laughs) listen, listen, listen look at me (laughs) no (laughs) yeah between all the wikis and blogs and everyone else making how-to videos on youtube i do not need the guide i have purchased a few guides in the past maybe five years or so but that's mostly because i'm like a super fan of that game and the additional background information or concept art that gets included in the guides is really cool to have yeah, 100%. I, I bought the, you know, collector's edition for uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, which I'm still in the process of playing. Uh, I played Monster Hunt Red Dead recently. But on the competitive side, uh, since I am a huge esports fan, I have been playing League of Legends since 2011. I've okay. been playing Hearthstone since beta. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, of course, is a big one for me right now. Uh, StarCraft 2 before that. Um, so I've been in the competitive gaming scene for a while now. Nice. Very nice. So after this tournament, do you have any additional future plans that are in the work? Anything you are kind of kicking around? So we definitely want to make this an annual event. Uh, okay. I just want to say that, you know, we really value this idea of giving the student players. I know I don't want to say student athletes right now because that might uh, tilt some play, uh, people here. Oh, uh, but student, <laughs> uh, But student players really an opportunity to compete for championships in a way that shows off their dedication, time and preparation. It's so easy to just say, hey, let's do an online tournament. It's cheap. It's inexpensive. Uh, it's easy to manage. This is how they play most of their matches anyhow. Right. Um, but it doesn't really showcase what they've done. It, it's not a real way to say, hey, this is almost a reward for your time and dedication so we really like the idea of making this an annual sort of championship mm-hmm. it hopefully stays in albany uh can't confirm that at this point in time but hey, it really b- will business depend is on, business business yeah, is it, business you know it will depend on how this event seems to go over um so we're excited about that but All yeah right. uh, and so, live events are always something special agreed i mean i have watched a bunch of reveals on twitch i've uh, watched Uh, video recordings of different concerts and while it is great to see the performers and all the action up close with unobstructed camera views and stuff like that there is nothing i repeat nothing like a live event there is nothing like being in a crowd being elbow to elbow getting all sweaty and disgusting with someone who's just as enthusiastic about the event as you are and as horrible as some of the conditions can be you talk to anyone who's gone to a live rock show and they will describe the most horrific <laughs> conditions ever, but they will always go again because there is nothing like that type of live experience where you can you can't just see the the players on screen. You can see them 20 feet away from you. You know, you can't just hear the crowd through your speakers or headphones. You're part of the crowd yelling and cheering along 
with all the other fans. So having live events like this, sure, it's cheaper and easier to do the online only, but having the occasional live event definitely is something special. Yeah, 110%. And, you know, as the scene grows at the collegiate level and sponsors and things of that nature start taking more notice, you know, really this is going to be our first real true honest-to-God broadcast of the event. And we're really taking it, uh, you know, we'll make an announcement on the 11th, but, you know, we're bringing in a, a physical production company to do this. This is, and they have done top, tier esports events okay uh, prior to this so i'm going to tease a little bit but on march 11th we will make the official announcement and you know at this point in time they're going to bring an air of professionality to it an air of you know this is how esports should look so it's not going to be me and my two best friends trying to stream this <laughs> off of a laptop i mean you know produce this off a laptop these these guys are going to know what they're going to do they're bringing in staffs like we're oh, talking wow. you know I think I think we have like 15 people coming in for the weekend to put on these three streams because we're streaming every match of the tournament. We're not missing one single thing. So uh, there's going to be three simultaneous streams. You're going to be able to watch and cheer on your teams and get to know these players. We'll do interviews. We'll do the whole works. So okay. these, it's going to be treated professionally. It's going to look professionally. And hopefully that grows the online audience. Hopefully it, it gains some traction there. And if we can come back and say, hey, you know what? Last year we got, we peaked at 2,500 concurrent viewers. We had a total of 8,000 people view over the course of the weekend, you know, then we can really actually show some physical numbers saying, mm -hmm. hey, this is what we did. And people can start taking some recognition of that. Nice. All right. So we're going to move into the final sections of this podcast. We actually have some listener questions for this section, for this half. So first off, we got Aaron Sturdivant from the Horror with Sir Sturdy podcast. Aaron, <laughs> thanks for writing in. And he's got Kind of a multi-part question going on. Let's do it. So he starts off with, first of all, I want to say congratulations on the success of your awesome podcast. You're making noise, man. I love it. Keep up the amazing work. Oh, thanks, bud. <laughs> uh, you growing up a gamer, Anthony, did you ever think where we grew up would be so involved in gaming? And honestly, no, not in the least. <laughs> I mean, not only was I just young and not thinking about that because when you're when you're younger you're just enjoying the game you got a game you play with your friends and it's great you don't think about much of the outside world because you just haven't experienced it yet but to see all this happen it just kind of slowly bubbled up and it's it's coming to a head at this point and i think as we've mentioned before it's just albany is just very centrally located and it just doesn't come with the same burden as other major cities. So would you agree with that sentiment? Oh, 110%. And, you know, I remember when there used to be, you know, you know, IG4, there was a gaming channel high G4, in the cable. Yeah. G4, yeah, you know, um, high in the, uh, you know, premium cable section, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. 500, 600 like level area. And I remember they used to do SOCOM and some of these other games and it was cool. It was niche. They had all the guys there playing at the same time, but the graphics were garbage, especially <laughs> especially as you watch them on TV, you'd like switch channel and like, oh, you know, that show looks so much better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and, and I think that might uh, just help with gaming in general, being that we've got higher technology and more powerful technology, we can get the fidelity and we can get the level of detail. So it's not a blocky, clunky cartoon on the screen anymore. I look back at where League of Legends was three years ago, uh, just as a game. I like just last week, I actually Googled because I know TSM used to run weekly tournaments and I used to watch them. Okay. So I was like, whatever happened to these commentators? So I was trying to find, figure out what their names were. So I put on one of their old weekly tournaments and I watched 
what League of Legends fundamentally looked like. And I'm like, how did we all watch this for five, <laughs> six hours at a time? It hurts my eyes uh, yeah, just to right. see these terrible grainy uh, graphics all the characters had the pizza feet where they're just triangles oh, uh, it was it's truly awful to look at and mm-hmm. i'm like we watched this for hours on end uh but you know today overwatch is a gorgeous game oh, Fortnite's beautiful gorgeous game apex like i feel like when i'm standing on the rocks i'm standing on the rocks like oh this is out in nevada somewhere right mm-hmm. uh like it's just it's a such a, a, a surreal experience to watch and it makes it allows me as the viewer to get into it so it's 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 fascinating excellent all right second part of his question is as far as scc and hvcc the Hudson valley gamer account what are some things you would want to see gaming wise come here and moving away from the esports, what I would love to see as far as gaming is concerned is a return to actual arcades. Not these Dave and Busters where everything is to produce tickets and you pump in your credits or quarters to get like 30 seconds worth of gameplay. And it's mainly just a game you play against your friends. I want to return to the old school classic arcade of like the early 90s late 80s what about you um you know i've worked with a lot of the uh gaming studios around here and one of the big ones is a gaming tax credit for the state of new york Uh, Uh, that actually was in the news a month two months ago yeah, it's been an idea that's been debated for a while here okay. uh, in the state of New York. And it's one of those things that, you know, as we're constantly trying to attract new talent and keep new industries here, uh, this is something that we should really be evaluating. There is no reason that every game should be made in California. There, none. Right. Um, it's expensive. It's, I mean, to live in uh, San Francisco where a lot of these game companies are held, it's, it's massively expensive. Los Angeles, mm-hmm. the same thing. And, you know, while we have five or six game studios here in Albany, and that's great, and Rochester has a few more, and Buffalo has one or two. So you're starting to see these gaming hubs be built up here in New York City. What they really need is just a leg up, just something to say, hey, we'll give you something. It allows you to make a game cheaper, attract better talent, and grow the the space. And then conversely, it will attract some of the other companies that are saying, hey, you know, we're making 10, 12% profit on every game that we make. But if we transition to New York uh, with the tax credits in hand and the overall cost expenditure being lower, maybe we make 20, 22% you know, return on investment. Yeah. So Because it's not just cost of living that uh, makes things expensive. It's not just rent or you know overhead. It's on top of that, you have to pay your staff comparable wages to live in that city as well. Yeah, I think the average uh, computer science graduate in the state of uh, California makes something like $115,000 upon graduation. Now, they're flocking to L.A. and San Francisco. Which means that they're living in like halfway in poverty. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They get really attracted by the six-figure salaries like, oh, my God, isn't this amazing? And then they're living in like a one-bedroom hovel. and they probably share it with someone. Uh, so it's, you know, you pay someone, you pay 80 grand in Albany, you can own a house, start oh, working on your second house. <laughs> like, you know, so it's a massive expenditure shift. But, you know, schools need sort of, I mean, uh, gaming studios need sort of an incentive. And if mm-hmm. New York State becomes one of the big states with uh, that sort of incentive and all the schools, RPI, RIT, NYU, uh, you know, all the schools that have gaming development programs here in the state, it would be great. All right, cool. And to wrap up Aaron's question is one last comment. Best of luck with the future of the podcast. And I'm sure I'll see you at some cons this year. Last and most importantly, you have an awesome family. So thanks for the love, Aaron. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron. And Judge Greg at Judge Greg is law throws in a question from Twitter. He asks, why do fan bases seem to always devolve into toxic cesspools? And I included this because this is a topic worth discussing. Absolutely. It is the ugly side of gaming, and it's really unfortunate that it happens and it exists. Uh, Have you had any unfortunate experiences with fandoms uh, 
devolving into a cesspool? Yeah. Um, so I working in gaming and being a part of esports, it's a fact of life. It's nothing we can debate about. Uh, right. All we can do is strive to constantly do better. And to go to the root cause of it, it's always going to be the anonymity aspect of it. Um, you know, if basketball players could get yeah. away with saying the things that they say sort of under their breath to one another, but out in public and with a megaphone in a chat that's forever saved uh, mm -hmm. so that everyone can read it and do it behind, you know, a gamer tag that's like double X, double barrel, double X, uh, yeah. like they would do it. And, and that's just a fact of the matter, but uh, they are responsible. They, you know, they, they know their image is out there for everyone to evaluate. So anonymity is a massive issue. And then it's, we allow in the culture of gaming itself for certain things to be acceptable that are not, you know, uh, that sexism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sexism is the big one. Misogyny uh, in, in esports has <coughs> been a well-documented issue. Um, and it's not that female gamers are any worse at games or have any less interest in games or anything of that nature. It's just that uh, it's sort of fragile egos on the male side of things. Mm -hmm. It's uh, they're not being encouraged to play because if they, if, you know, some of these games have a larger learning curve to get good at Fortnite, to get good at Overwatch, to get good at League of Legends. It's not like you got good one night. You didn't just have the skills, woke up and played the game. It took you three, four, five, six months. And mm -hmm. or guys get the benefit of the doubt of, oh, they're learning the game. Uh, female gamers always get the judgment of, well, oh, you're just a female. Oh, stupid you're girl so, playing the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, stupid girl so playing stupid. the game. Why do you suck? This is, you know, go back in the kitchen. Like these terrible comments that no one should ever say. And uh, instead of people calling them out on it, uh, their friends laugh, think it's funny, post it on Reddit, and just kind of gets encouraged that way. Yeah, it gets oh, encouraged. Um, so it's it's terrible and it's 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 wrong. And sort of the one of the benefits of esports is taking out the anonymity of you know. Um, so this is a this is a college run program here at Canisius. It's run mm -hmm. out of athletics. Uh, I oversee All and report right. to the athletic director. So I don't tolerate any sexism, racism, homophobia, any of those aspects that are really prevalent in gaming. Uh, and as a result, we have a more diverse uh, group. We're slowly growing our female gaming base here. I think they're Very up nice. to uh, like 15, 20% region. So it's not amazing, but it's getting there. It's better than uh, the national average. So okay. we're working towards it. And it's about encouraging inclusive environments and holding students accountable and on the topic of anonymity and being on an esports team i was just thinking to myself you're up on the stage while you're competing so we see your face we see what your gamer tag is we see what team you're associated with that removes all sorts of layers that you would want to be able to hide behind if you were not on the stage or in an esports team. Yeah, That's and even more so than that, like uh, we have, uh, you know, BM rules in the ECAC leagues that we're currently competing in. And I will tell you that uh, I'm sort of, I work, uh, I heavily work with the ECAC on this event. And I've also helped them formulate uh, just in my own free time and find them to succeed on their esports league. And, you know, we've handled issues of this uh, nature, not too many. There's only been about one or two over the course of uh, about, eight months so it's not been that bad um but you know what we do is a lot of the kids stream i watched i've watched so many uh six viewer streams that are coming <laughs> out of a dorm room or uh some schools have a facility canisius has a facility that we built out on campus uh and you know i listen to hear what they say what they're writing what they're typing what they're saying in their own comms and the shocking part about it is some people are actually dumb enough to actually post the videos of them saying this stuff afterwards which is baffling to me i could get in the heat of the moment you go back to bad habits and you say something then you should at least have the forethought afterwards to go wait i need to edit this video and mm. what we see time and time again is they don't <laughs> so um, all right We've had some issues, but, you know, it's just holding them accountable. We've forced uh, – I don't think we've gotten to the ban stages, but we may have had – we've had some players sit out, and we've had them write apologies and hey. uh, do different things. So it's it's really about holding people accountable and yep. getting rid of the layer of anonymity. Okay. 
All right. And we are at the conclusion of this, but I have one final question for you. At the end of all my episodes, I asked all my guests this, the final five. The first two questions are always the same. The last three have a theme. But for sake of time for these multi-guest episodes, one final question. And that question Let's is coffee or tea? Neither. What? No, uh, I live off of uh, pure uh, uh, drive and, uh, I don't know, dreams and unicorns. I don't really know what gets me through the day, in all honesty, uh, but I, I don't do what any caffeine. What voodoo black magic do you consume to keep you th- going? I pretty much, uh, so, like, my work schedule is horrific. I have four matches today, uh, so I have my Overwatch team is actually just hopping into their match right now, and then I have a Hearthstone match that starts at ten fifteen, and oh, geez. okay, and then I and then I have class at eight thirty the next morning for my graduate program. Um, and what I always tell people is I get very little sleep during the week, uh, but on the weekends I just hibernate. 12 14 hours at a time uh you can't wake me so that's been a working strategy for me for the least past 27 years and i'm sticking to it so no coffee no tea all right all right well so we will wrap this up kiernan do you have any end of show plugs you'd like to throw in there uh yeah everyone please uh come out to the event it should be really great really interactive you know none of these kids have egos you know if you have a uh bring a a a kid bring a teenager this might be something that you're able to drag them to so take advantage of it while you can uh come out and support the event i guarantee you it's going to be fun we're going to do some giveaways crowd interaction uh and you'll get to watch really high quality esports so all right all right thank you so much Thank you. One more time, thank you, Kieran, so much for taking the time to speak with me. I hope I can at least give you a quick high five at the event. And hey, if you need an extra podcast or sit in on a panel, my schedule should be open. And that's all the time we have for this segment. Roll the standard end of show plugs. You can find the show notes on this and all the previous episodes at videogamecrosstalk.com, as well as all the social media contacts and occasional blog posts. Or you can follow me around on Twitter, Instagram, PS4, and Twitch at HyperSyntax, H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts. And we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcasting listening service. Thank you all for hanging out with me, and maybe I'll see you at HVGC. But until then, the Season of the Drifter just dropped in Destiny, so I need to go get on that. Let's be bad guys. <laughs>